The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. In the name of the one holy and living God. Amen. Looking at the weather, I actually didn't think I would make it all the way into this pulpit this morning. (laughs) And since it is my first time in this pulpit and as a way of introducing myself, I'll follow the pattern the Apostle Paul used at the beginning of his epistles. I, Mary, a servant of Jesus Christ, a candidate for holy orders from the Diocese of Southern Ohio, and a final year student at Episcopal Divinity School. To the faithful saints at Trinity Episcopal Church in Concord, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pleasure to be working with you this year as a seminarian, hearing and seeing how God is active in our lives together. Jesus said in our gospel this morning, go and tell John what you hear and see. And I was reminded of a story, a true story, although I've changed a few of the details to protect the innocent. (laughs) Once upon a time, not a long time ago, a young woman was driving to where she lived. It was late on a dark night on an interstate highway. She was on her way back, and she didn't want to be going back to where she lived, but she knew she had to. She was depressed and lonely and far away from home. And she was on the verge of tears much of the time. Why doesn't matter. The important thing was that she probably should not have been behind the wheel of a car that evening. She just didn't have the focus to be driving safely. She needed gas 
and she needed a fresh supply of caffeine, so she pulled over at a gas station. She gets back in her car, and she realizes she can't remember what she did with her credit card. And she's looking in the pockets of her jeans and in her purse and is getting frantic. One more thing. And the cashier, a man probably from the Middle East, he looked that way, knocks on her window and shows her the credit card. She rolls down the window. He sees that she is upset. And he speaks kindly to her until she has calmed down enough to safely leave the gas station and continue on her trip. It's hard sometimes when you are in the middle of a crisis to really see what's going on. Even the most faithful and committed can have dark nights and wonder where God is and what is really true. And with this, I began to wonder about John the Baptist. We hear a lot about John the Baptist at this time of year. In fact, I know one preacher who said, you cannot get to Christmas without going past John the Baptist. We don't know much about him from the Gospels, And his story is something like this. He's about six months older than Jesus, and they're probably related. He has an eccentric and prophetic ministry in the wilderness that attracts a following of people. He baptizes Jesus, even though he thinks it should be the other way around. He gets in trouble with Herod and thrown into prison. And then because Herod gets carried away with the beauty of a dancer and offers the dancer anything she wants, she wants the head of John the Baptist, and he has to comply to save face. Our story today is from when John the Baptist was in prison. Now, prisons in the Roman time were especially horrid places. Typically, they were a cave or a pit, and the prisoner could have been held in stocks and was just as likely to die from starvation or from disease, as well as from the possibility that any moment a sentence of death might be enacted. In order to survive, the prisoner needed good friends who would come and bring food, bribes, any sort of humane care, and news of the outside world. Evidently, John had such friends. Our reading says, when John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples. Disciples had to have come to him because he certainly could not send an email or a letter or go out. He says, ask, ask Jesus, are you the one or do we wait for another? Now, I spent the week wondering why John the Baptist was asking this question. 
He knew Jesus. He was baptized. He baptized him. There are scholars who believe that they were partners in this prophetic ministry of preparing the way. I always figured that John the Baptist knew already somehow that Jesus was the one. So why is he asking? Was the stress of imprisonment causing him to dark, to doubt? In the dark days and nights, was he becoming unsure of what he knew was true? Did he not trust what he was hearing from his disciples? Well, Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news brought to them. Jesus does not answer a simple question like, are you the one, with a simple yes or no. Jesus tells the disciples to go hear and see and figure it out. He trusts them to know what they are seeing and hearing and to come to the right answer. Isaiah told them what to look for. This was in our first reading. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing with joy. Beautiful words. And if they didn't remember Isaiah, it was in the psalm as well. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. It doesn't always come with heralds announcing and angel choirs singing, look here. If this is what it is supposed to look like, and it's happening in front of them, Jesus is saying, trust your eyes and your ears. Take a leap of faith that the Lord God is active and alive in what's in front of you and in your face and happening around you. Jesus trusts us much more than we trust ourselves. He trusts that with open eyes, open ears, and open hearts, we can see and hear and know That God is active in our lives, and it is a glorious thing. I believe that the cashier in my story was the presence of God to that young woman. And I also believe that my hearing the story is evidence that prayers for her safety were heard. Our Wednesday study group is studying Marcus Borg's Heart of Christianity. Marcus is a contemporary lay theologian that at least my professors are saying will be one of the theologians that seminarians in the next 20 years will be studying in their reading. Our chapter this week was about opening the heart 
and, a, and making a connection between spiritual deafness and blindness and a closed heart. Hearts are closed by keeping them separate from God. And we have lots of words to describe that way of, of being. We have lonely hearts, despondent hearts. They are empty, cold hearts, broken hearts. And we even have the Grinch, whose heart was two sizes too small. <laughs> As we were discussing this, I thought of Thomas Cranmer, the author of our prayer book in the 16th century, who must be a kindred spirit to Borg and Borg to him. Because in our prayer book and since that 16th century, we have used the college for purity that we prayed this morning. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And in a few minutes, we will be asked to lift up our hearts and to lift them up to God. Jesus says, go and tell what you hear and see. And in a few minutes, we will gather around the altar. We will give thanks. We will remember the story of scripture, of people in the past, and of ourselves here and now. We will offer our hearts, trust in the Holy Spirit, and pray. And remember, the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray as John taught us. And what do you, do you hear and see in what we're going to do together? Yes, wine comes out of a bottle and came from a wine store or a distributor, and our bread are these pressed wafer things. But that's only the surface. Listen and hear with the eyes and ears of your heart. And see if you don't see today what the psalmist said. See if there is food being given to those who hunger. Are there prisoners being set free? Is there care for the stranger? Hear, touch, taste, and see that everyone is welcome, that everyone is fed enough, and that we are one. And the wilderness and the dry land and the field and the town on this blustery, snow-covered day shall be glad and shall rejoice with joy and singing. Amen. Amen.